Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to the Addicted to Growth podcast. I am your host, Jean Richard. I am super pumped, y'all, about today I get to bring to the Addicted to Growth podcast community, not one, but two very, very special guests, Walt and Stephanie McKinley. Walt and Stephanie have been married for 23 years. They have two teen daughters, 18 and 16 years old. Walt is a professional speaker, number one best-selling author of Monsters in My House, a true story, and a podcast host. He is also a retired naval intelligence officer and former Fortune 300 executive. Stephanie is the co-creator of the Legacy Warrior podcast, marketing genius, mompreneur, and the glue that keeps their family together. Walt and Stephanie, I am so happy and grateful to have you both here. Welcome. Thank you. We're so excited to be here. I love that you're doing a podcast called Addicted to Growth because we are on the same journey. I mean, we're the Legacy Warrior podcast is about the same thing. We're all about growth. So I love that. Yeah, I think think it's, I'm I'm pumped to be here. And Jean, I'll tell you, like, I've seen you personally, like we met at the Embrace Your Ambition conference last year, but I've seen you personally continue to not only challenge yourself, but now create the Addicted to Growth podcast where you can really pour wisdom through yourself and through other people into those folks who are really addicted to growth. And man, shouldn't we all be addicted to growth? Amen. (laughs) Yes. And, you know, I really thought of addictive because I have that kind of OCD personality. Once I, like, um, I discussed in one of my earlier episodes, like I'm an all in or an all out person. So like once something I really get involved in, I get obsessed with it. I get addicted to it. And so, you know, I was like, okay, addicted to growth podcast. So yeah, I also did have some help from a good friend of mine. She knows who she is, but uh, yeah, but this (laughs) fit me to the T, addicted to growth. So, but thank y'all so much for that compliment. It really, it really means a lot to me. I am so honored to have you both. Um, Walt, like you had mentioned, meeting you in person in Denver last summer at EYA was incredible. And, you know, just um, in your you know, just everything that you have accomplished so far from the highs, the ups, the lows you know, naval officer to be an executive with Fortune 300 company to now being an author, sharing your story, you know, um, Stephanie, being married and together and experiencing all of this with Walt, you know, it's a marriage for 23 years. I just, you know, absolutely had to have you both on here because when we unite in marriage, we become one. And so even though I've heard, you know, uh, 
just a touch, I'm sure, of what Walt <laughs> has experienced in his life. I knew others needed to hear it, but then also needed to hear your side as well. You know, um, being the wife um, of someone going through such tragedy in their life, tragic situations, and then the overcoming of it, you know, the triumph. Um, and through it all, all these years, I know we both have cried lots of sad and happy tears, you know, with the marriage. But um, I'm just, I wanted to hear, you know, however you both would um, like to start. Walt, I don't know if you want to get into kind of um, what was your turning point in life or if you want to start beforehand with your, your personal story. Yeah, I think the, the, the short version of the story is I moved 14 times in the first 16 years of my life, mm -hmm. unfortunately being horrifically abused by every adult I knew, my father, my stepmother, my stepfather, foster parents, it didn't matter where I went, I was thrown around like a piece of garbage, I was abused at every single stop that I ever went through, M moving from place to place at the whim of each and every individual adult that I knew until I was about 15 and a half years old, and the first adult to really ever love me selflessly and my life showed up and that was my aunt and what's really cool and I, I say this a lot too and your your lady listeners will love this um, women really made me the man I am today and it's such a powerful antidote for um, the poison that was just like crushing who I was as a human being in my late teens and I'll tell you my aunt was like it was it was a difference of being in this dark tunnel feeling alone feeling like I wasn't going to make it being that angry teenager that just wanted to lash out and hurt people and steal and stuff and doing all the wrong things because I didn't even care about myself until my aunt showed up. And it was like this glimmer of hope. It was this light in the darkness that I just stood under and basked under that gave me the opportunity to really hope for the first time. And there's a lot of healing that I did before I met Steph, but I mean, I met Steph at 20 years old mm -hmm. and I was new to the Navy and she was in her freshman year in college. And like any Navy man, I was making friends and, uh, <laughs> and, having, and having to be making them female friends. <laughs> what your name is, no? And, uh, right. Who that? And, and um, you know, and, and I met her. And the cool thing is, my aunt really just loved on me when I was still really broken, when I felt like life happened to me, not for me, when I just felt like, the oppression of the things that I went through, I, where I just survived day to day versus really thriving and thinking about the future. When I met Stephanie, I had done some work. My aunt had really given me the hope. I was new to the Navy. I had hopes and dreams for the first time because my external environment was in a place where I could start thriving and thinking about the future. My internal environment was like maybe just starting that journey where I didn't really feel safe. So I didn't really thrive. I was still surviving. Mm -hmm. Stephanie really helped me just by loving me in the moments I was unlovable, she really helped me love myself more. She helped catapult this healing journey that I've been on that I'll probably be on my whole life and um, really helped me become the man I am today where I can be in my vulnerability and my power and my love and my affection and change our gener my generational legacy with the help of Stephanie for our children and the generations to come. So that's my short little story right there. Steph, I don't know if you want to jump in on that. <laughs> Well, it's interesting because when I met Walt, like he said, <laughs> I was 18, he was 20. 
Mm-hmm. And we met in a dance club that was actually on the Navy base in Groton because mm-hmm. you have to understand where I lived was really rural. And Connecticut's not even, a you know, most of Connecticut is pretty rural, actually. And um, he approached me. And it's, it's a funny story. I don't know if we want to get into all that, but <laughs> what, what I wanted to say is when he did approach me though, he was like this larger than life personality. And I mean, even when he came up to me, he was like, what's up, you know, hands up in the air, big <laughs> smile, you know, very confident. And so the qualities that came across to me were gosh, he's so confident and he just seems so full of life and so full of energy. And it was just this good energy that I was like, Ooh, I like this, you know, like what's he all about, you know? (laughs) And I had no idea when I met him that he would have come from any kind of tragedy. I mean, and it, 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 even we dated for, we got serious and we were together about a year before I went back to meet his family. Cause he's from Arizona. Mm-hmm. So there was a point at a year where I flew back to meet his family and I was having a conversation with his aunt. Now he did tell me, obviously, I didn't know the whole story behind that, but I knew his aunt had become like a mother figure and we hadn't gotten into all of this stuff, you know, like he didn't bring up all his trauma to me yeah. until it wasn't like our first date. Was I was like, like, here, let me throw all of this at you. I'm a real winner. Like he did tell me from the beginning, <laughs> there was something there where he was with the aunt. So I knew there was something, yeah. but something um, happened. Yeah. Like, but you didn't know the details. Right. And when I did meet her, you know, she was kind of telling me some pieces and saying how, you know, she, he came to live with her about 15, 16. And when he came to her that he was, um, he would stutter and that he would flinch if you like tried to give him a hug or anything. Cause he was so used to abuse. And yeah. I just was sitting there in shock. Like, what do you mean? Like, there's no way not, not the guy I know. And I, I really, it took me a while to even like yeah. process that that could even be the same person because he was nothing like that when I met him. And it really had only been a few years because he said he was 20 when we met me. He didn't leave that situation until he was about 16. So it only been four years since he had. Right. Died. And the way she described how he was with her when she, he first came to her, I just was like, wow, it's like night and day. I couldn't believe it. And so to me, what I was thinking was, Wow the power of love, like yeah. someone just had, you know, the love showed him that kind of love. It took him from being that to being this confident, happy person. And I just, that was the biggest thing I took away from that was, wow, the difference one person can make and the difference love makes. Mm. So I just wanted to really point that out about. I love that. And I'm so glad that you did just yeah, it's true. How strong, you know, that that's a incredible, beautiful story. example of the strength of love mm. to just change an individual just because of the love. Yes. Love can change anything <laughs> and anyone. Right. And any really situation. Yes. And that also includes loving yourself. You really got to love yourself. It doesn't mm. matter how much somebody else loves you. I talk a lot about creating a safe internal environment and what that really does for you. And I see so many people trying to earn love or look for love or find mm-hmm. love. And, and they're still left unfulfilled when they do find somebody who loves them because they still don't love themselves. So it really revolves around taking a look at yourself, learning how to fall in love with you, 
And then right. when, when you receive the love from somebody that you deserve, not that you earn, that mm. you deserve, the way that you move about life will dramatically change. And so will your relationship. So it's been such a cool, beautiful journey. And I'm, uh, you know, God gifted Stephanie to me when I was at a real crossroads in my life where I could have went to the left or went to the right. Absolutely. Now, do you find Walt and Stephanie that while you had problems trusting her in the beginning, just due to, or do you find you were really over that due to your aunt's love and compassion or do you, did you still find struggle areas that you struggled in with a romantic relationship due to the abuse you had went through in your childhood? Well, what's your opinion on that? I'm really curious to hear what you think versus what I think, because <laughs> what I think might not be the reality. I was, of she I was actually about to start telling you that. And I don't, because someone else asked this in another interview that, um, not the same question, but asked if he was faking the happiness. And I had to really, and I was like, no, I really don't think it was fake. I think he truly at that point, because if you read his book, um, he talks about in the book, the point where he left for the military and how he was like embarking on this new life. And it was like, he was leaving the hometown where all the abuse happened and all that stuff. And he was kind of leaving that behind and embarking on this new journey and feeling like, well, now I can make my life what I want it to be. And he was really, he was truly happy. Like I'm start, it's almost like a fresh start, a new start. I can, I can now change my legacy moving forward. And I believe he really felt that way at that time. And and this isn't to say, like he always says, everything's not unicorns and rainbows after that. So we didn't live right. happily ever after that. I mean, and like, and, and I want to say, like, like I said, I didn't know all of his background when I met him or even a year into our relationship, because that's the puppy dog love and that, you know, new love right. and everything is great. Right. And, you know, um, and it was a little while later, like about two years into our relationship and we had gotten our first apartment and we lived with roommates and, um, you know, little by little things started to show, like, mm. I noticed like he would want to fight every guy that looked at him the wrong way. And I thought like, why are, and at first I thought this is just normal. Cause young men are kind of like that. They're all kind of like high testosterone. They, right. You know, they their ego. themselves and yeah. And I have brothers. So I kind of thought that was pretty normal. Yeah. Um, but I did start to realize, like, I really think that was coming out like it was an aggression that was still in there that he needed to release. And, you know, he did a lot of that through playing sports because he was really into weightlifting and he would play a lot of basketball. And I think that was his outlet for a lot of it, but there still was like a, no one was going to punk him kind of mentality Yeah, and just things like that. And then you just see like little by little, certain things are like, when I went back home to meet his family, there was a part where he saw one of his abusers when I was when we were there and he got triggered and not to me but like he got triggered inside and was like you know let his family know like hey I need him to leave because Mm -hmm. I'm like I don't know what I'm going to do right now like I just have all this emotion and I don't know where it's going to go and and so I never felt and some people used to ask me that too if I ever felt scared for myself, I guess, like that he would hurt me or, 
And I have to say, I know, I would always tell people like, he's a big teddy bear to women and children. Yeah. And he wanted to protect. I always saw him wanting to protect other women too, and children. Cause I think he felt like they were always defenseless, like he was. So mm -hmm. he felt this need to defend them. And then he always wanted to fight men. So that was the pattern I started to see. Okay. But this came out over time, like little, sure. little things that would happen, you know, just. Yeah. Different situations. Yes. Yeah. I, th I think for me, I realized at 16 years old, I was terrified of uh, 15 and a half, terrified of leaving my father's house. He was really abusing me horrifically. The older I got, the more physical it got. Mm -hmm. And he, he punched me in my face in front of five of my friends in front of the entire city block one day when he was drunk. And my aunt had been trying to work with CPS. Now, mind you, this is 30 years ago, right? My mm -hmm. aunt had been work, trying to work with CPS to get custody of me in the background um, without anybody knowing. Mm. And they said I had to get hit again after she filed a case. Well, it just so happened two days later, it happened. And in that moment, I, I'll never forget looking up at him. And I was really terrified. And I had opportunities to tell the truth before and to speak my truth and to embrace like enough's enough. I deserve more than this. And I was always so scared of the potential outcome of what that would mean that I didn't yeah. do anything. I just froze in fear, you know, freeze is a trauma response. I would just freeze. And in this moment, I finally said, I've had enough. And I took off running. And a lot of people have asked me like, well, I can't believe you ran from your dad. I said, I didn't run from my dad. I literally ran into the rest of my life. It's still the single biggest, most decision I've ever made. So yeah. then when I went with my aunt and I can, my aunt, I could start dreaming again. I could start hoping I stopped surviving. I started looking for the future. Then I met Stephanie and it was like, I knew because I embraced the fear in the hardest moment of my life, that if I allowed myself to keep doing that, the outcome was going to continue to be at least close to what I wanted. Maybe not exactly, right. but close. So I, I accepted mentors in my life in the Navy that transformed me as a man, like my first male mentors, right? Where mm -hmm. they believed in me more than I believed in myself. I embraced the love from Stephanie because I had the perspective of what it was like not to have it. And so sure. I think when we get stopped getting scared of what we think the outcome is that we can't control any way, but we just embrace the fear because we know enough is enough and we deserve more. We lean into the moments of pain. What we find yeah. is there's purpose on the other side of that. There's power on the other side of that. There's triumph on the other side of that. And it's just a beautiful journey that unfolds during um, those Absolutely. moments. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, you said that you were you know, just scared of the consequences had you said something, um, you know, retaliation, of course. Right. And that is the biggest thing with victims, even today. You know, that that is the reason that they, individuals keep so quiet, whether right. it's adult abuse, you know, children getting abused, domestic spousal abuse, what would you say to encourage someone to speak up and speak out? What would you There's say? nothing more powerful than speaking your truth. Nothing you're ever going to do in life is more, more powerful than that. There, this is why we wear warrior shirts. I had a lot of people be like, oh, you're a military guy. You must wear war. No, it has nothing to do with the military. We use words like victim. We use words like survivor. There's such a connotation of weakness behind those words. 
people that have been through horrific things, people, and we all got a story. That's the thing. None of us are alone. We all got a story. People who've been through these experiences, they didn't just make it. They're not just hanging on. Like if you're here, you're living, you're breathing, you got to know that you're a warrior and you need to step into that power of who you are as a human being. And when you can take your experiences and say, in my healing journey now, I am who I am because of those. I don't regret being locked in the basement, chained to beds, none of the crazy stuff that happened to me because it all made me the human being that I am now. And I know I'm a warrior. I know I'm a powerful human being. I know I'm made for more. I know God trusted me with the pain that I went through because he knew I would use it as purpose to help somebody else. And if Amen. we can get more people mm -hmm. making that mental transition, that emotional transition, yeah. we start light in the dark, putting light in the darkness. And when enough of us are putting light in the darkness, there's not any darkness anymore. And that's why we're so passionate about the Legacy Warrior Podcast. That's why I left corporate America and all the money behind to go be a professional speaker and really build this business and build this brand and go share stages like the one that you got to see me on and right. give people the belief their history doesn't define their legacy. Like we got to stop running away from the pain. We got to run towards it, right. embrace the experiences and the lessons we learn from it, knock it to the ground so it doesn't keep chasing us our whole life and start looking out the windshield of life. Or we Absolutely. don't, and we feel stuck and live in quiet desperation, and we're at a fraction of our potential in life because we're so scared yeah. to embrace the pain, but the pain is what teaches us how to be better human beings. Exactly. Absolutely. You know, hurt people hurt people. And, you know, we find ourselves not only being victims of the abuse, being victims of their stronghold we let mm -hmm. we let them take control of our lives and you know so i commend you so much for Thank taking you. that and being you know 15 almost 16 i can't imagine what you went through you know and just you're a warrior for sure <laughs> excuse me for sure. You're a warrior. You're so inspiring. Thank you. And, you know, you're just, just beginning to touch hundreds of thousands right. that, that need to hear your story and, and encourage. Um, going back to leaving corporate America. Was there, you would say, a certain turning point, Stephanie, in you and Walt's mm. life um, where, you know, something was like, okay, we got to change this or, or what was kind of going on where you realized this can't continue? So, Steph, I want you to tell this story because I wouldn't be doing this right now. I wouldn't have written my memoir that became a number one bestseller. We wouldn't. I wouldn't be nearly as happy as I am without your support, without your love in this moment. Um, but I want you to tell this one because you had this perspective of a supporting spouse who was supporting her husband's career and just seeing me go downhill physically, mentally, emotionally, working myself to the bone. Yeah, so I'm going to tell you guys, because I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are having a similar experience or 
same experience, or I'm sure you can relate because during COVID, uh, it was around the time that COVID happened, um, and they went to work from home. So they went from being in the office to being at home. Um, he actually, in his case, now some people went to where they lost work or they didn't have a job and they had a lot of downtime to sit in their feelings and everything. In his case, his work tripled oh, wow. because they were making cuts in the workforce to, you know, because they were losing money. So then they were, you know, because everything got cut back in COVID and, you know, so they cut the workforce. So then they made everybody who did stay had more work. Right. So, Overworked. Yeah. Ones they kept. Wow. Mm-hmm. So like there was supposed to be a position that was between him and the, cause he was a senior director, the director below him left and they never replaced her. And then um, there wasn't really, and then his vice president was also overworked. And so he was kind of having to like do all three jobs mm-hmm. and, and from home. And so they were doing, adjusting to all of that, even trying to make it work at home. Cause he never previously worked from home. And so he would be in this, actually where we're sitting right now in our office at his desk, he was pretty much here 12 hours a day, mm. all day, like nonstop. And it's not like the work necessarily ended when, <laughs> you know, the work day ended. It didn't really right. end there. Cause you know, you do take a lot of things home with you and, or, you know, you know, it doesn't leave you because there's just, it's like always in his mind. So, but he was getting to a point where he was just like, I can't keep, I can't sustain at this level. Like I need help. And he kept telling them like, I need help. I can't keep doing you guys to hire all these things, right? People that are supposed to be in the positions. I can't bear the burden for three executive roles by myself. And then they wouldn't because they were, you know, they have different mission than, you know, obviously there was a lot of hang on almost we're going to see. Yeah. Right. So as long as he was going to do it, they were just going to keep, keep letting him do it. So at just one night he came in and he had gotten off and it was, he was coming in for, I wasn't actually, even I off even, work, yet. work yet. Cause it was like five 30 break. and he came in and he was just kind of snippy. And he like said something to me about dinner, like when's dinner going to be done. And I just felt like the way he was saying it to me, I was kind of like, where's this coming from? Cause nothing had happened where we were in an argument or anything like that. It wasn't like there was already some tension or it was just like, he was just coming at me and I was kind of like, character. and at that moment it was out of character. So I was like, Hmm. So I just stopped for a second and I was like, is everything okay? And, and he kind of just broke down in that moment. And oh, wow he started saying, no, actually it's not like, I really feel like I'm so tired to the core of who I am inside. Like I feel like a shell or fraction of myself because I'm not even like, I can't even operate it. I'm just not me right now, basically is what he was saying. And I mean, he really broke down and he was in tears. And I have to tell you, I've only seen my husband cry. Like I could count on one hand how many times I've seen him cry. It's like never. So to see this person who's always this pillar of strength breaking down, I was like, whoa, it really kind of scared me. Like I've never seen him like this. Yeah. And we ended up having a really serious conversation at that point. And I started telling him, like, I knew he couldn't sustain it either. And I knew at some point he was going to have to leave this job. Mm -hmm. And so I started to tell him, you know, I want you to know, like, it's okay. 
if you want to leave, like I like I, and the problem is I knew there was a lot of pressure on him because he's the sole breadwinner. I don't work. I've been at home. I've been at home for 18 years. A lot of yeah. that was because I was a military spouse and mm-hmm. we did a lot of moving and stuff. So I just always yeah. stayed at home doing all the family stuff. So I could go work. And right. it just That's so amazing. happened that I had the blessing to be able to continue to stay home because he made enough money doing what he was doing that right. I didn't have to work. And so I just started to tell him like, it's okay. Like, because he did have a retirement income. Mm-hmm. And I was yeah. like, I know it's not a lot. I mean, it's literally not even half of what he was making, but I was like, I feel like at least we know we have that and that covers our main bills and we can, we can, we can figure it out. Like, I don't, right. you can't do this. I don't want you to die. and have a heart exactly. attack. You're, and he literally did have, I skipped that part, but he, he had a, he thought he was having a heart attack. I actually wow. had to take him to the hospital. We thought he was having a heart attack. And it turned out it was a panic attack. He had never had one before, but you know, you're like, your heart's racing. And like, he was having chest pain. My veins are pulsating out of my head. He was having these symptoms that were like a heart attack. So we thought he was having one. Turns out it wasn't. And they actually told him like, I think you should go talk to, you know, a psychologist because Mm -hmm. we think you had a panic attack and Mm. maybe some things you need to work, you know, work through. Absolutely. Right. Right. Well, well, and I think I I had to realize it wasn't, it's okay not to be okay. I don't got to be captain resilience Mm. for everybody. But in this moment, you know, we came back from the hospital and I I took two months of disability and you know, what's crazy. I felt bad for taking it. I felt like I was letting my team down. Right. I felt like I'd let my wife and my kids down. I I didn't even, you could have asked me, what do you like to do? I didn't even know anymore because I didn't do anything that I enjoyed doing. No self-care. And Steph and I had a conversation and she goes, if you die, I'm selling everything and I'm going to move back close to my parents. I literally don't care about anything. We'll mm-hmm. downsize our home. We'll sell cars. We'll do whatever the hell we got to do. Yeah. You need to get out of there. She goes, I've been begging you to write your book for over a decade. I've been begging yeah. you to write this memoir since I read the glass castle years ago. And she goes, and you wanted to be a professional speaker. Literally, since I met you 26 years ago, you spoken professionally but you wanted to actually do it as your profession. Like and she's like, been his dream. It and was she's his like, dream. screw it. Let's wow. freaking go for it. Let's yeah. go for it. And do you know that time you saw me speak mm-hmm. in Denver, that was my first ever inspirational speech. Get out of here. Promise. First one ever. Praise God. Stephanie pushed you. Okay. <laughs> right. Because yes, I felt like natural- it was, it, it was all happening for a reason. Like, I felt like he had to be brought to his knees in that way. It's one of those, I call it a come to Jesus moment. Some people call it rock bottom, whatever you call it. I felt like that was that it, he had to be brought to his knees to see that he wasn't living in his purpose and that it, it had to be something that drastic to push him yeah. into his purpose. And that, Definitely. It was all, it was all lining up. It had been a divine thing the whole time. Yeah, I can see that for sure. And, you know, it's just natural, like you mentioned, to feel like you let others down Mm -hmm. because we just, we allow that and not really on purpose. It's just what we're taught. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to get a job. You got to hold it down. Mm -hmm. You got to do this. You got, and so we just, we become so absorbed with with that and unintentionally put it before our family 
put it before our friends and sometimes Mm -hmm. before God, you know, and yeah, he's going (laughs) to, however he chooses and feels he needs to put it to an abrupt stop. Yes. He's going to. And, and he'll try pray. to teach you lessons yeah. along the right. way, right? And if you ain't listening, mm-hmm. the lesson's going to be tougher the next time. And and the uh, really losing my mental facu- faculties and being in a fog for two months scared me. I didn't really yeah. know if I was going to be get back to who I was just as a human being, much less anything else. Right. But it also taught me an extraordinarily, it, it allowed me to do what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I get to do, I get to live this life I'm in now. It allowed right. Stephanie to support me Tell in a way she had never really been able to support me. She'd always supported my career and been uh, deployments and handling business and doing all this stuff she needed to do. But for her to say, let's just go for it. Let's just screw it. We'll figure the rest of it out along the way. God That's will right. provide if we stay focused on the mission and what we feel like is his purpose on your life, which is to go show people they're not alone and to give people the belief that they can yeah. do what I did. There's nothing different than me from me than anybody listening to this, other than the fact that I really made a choice to start healing and to become the best version of myself, at least the best version that I am today, right? I'll always be growing. That's why we're addicted to growth. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> and, and to, and to um, but really just to give people the belief that they can do it too. We're all one choice away from embracing the pain, turning it into purpose and living this life and, and, and finding another gear in your happiness, I'm happier than I've ever been. It's not the money. It's not the things. Mm-mm. It's not chasing men, chasing women. It's not all these things, alcohol, drugs, all these things we try to fill the gap yeah. for because we're not willing to embrace the pain. It really is the pain turns into the purpose, but you got to believe that enough to lean really into that. And, and, and create that internally safe environment where you can start thriving. Yeah, this is something that Walt and I are passionate about with the Legacy Warrior stuff is embracing pain. Mm-hmm. Embracing pain because it is what, it will show you your purpose oftentimes. Mm-hmm. I think if a lot of people looked at it very differently, your pain is actually a gift. It's, that's where God's telling you, you're, there's something here. You're either supposed to learn or right. move you in another direction, but it's, mm-hmm. it's telling you something. And if you look at it the right way, it will oftentimes push you into your purpose. Absolutely. And well, I think, you know, you right now, or your speaking engagements mm-hmm. are the first step for those that are going through something. You are their voice, right? You are proving it. Stephanie, you having the podcast, you know, you both, y'all are their voices, the first step to be like, whoa, you know, and the individuals that you guys bring on are so heartfelt and relatable to, you know, uh, individuals just really doubting themselves being stuck in such an abusive situation we make we make excuses and mm-hmm. you know put it under the rug and like you said Stephanie your your emotions your feelings that is truly going to bring out our purpose mm-hmm. um 
what was it I had said the other day about, um, you know, like a, a physical wound on, on yourself and it's full of dirt and bacteria and infection, but it's not going to heal until it's cleaned out mm-hmm. and it's going to hurt. Mm-hmm. It's going to hurt to flush that sucker and, you know, <laughs> clean it out good. And, and that's the same with our emotions. We're not going to heal if we just keep covering up and keep letting all that dirt get in, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah. exactly. Um, all the things that y'all had mentioned, you know, we, people hide their emotions. I don't feel that, you know, I, I feel that God has brought everything that we need into our lives with ourselves when we were born in this world, you know, depression, stress, anxiety, those are areas in our life where emotions are missing. We're missing self-love. We talked about the strength of love, you know, communication, um, pain, emotions, letting it out. All our natural feelings will heal all the physical things that are going on within. Well, something Walt often says, he's always saying, you can never, you can't run from your trauma. You can't run from those. You can't run from your pain and struggle. You can only run so long. It's, it's always there. It's always going to be with you. So as soon as you stop, there it is. So he always says like, the only thing you can do is turn around and face it. And you have to. And that's where the warrior mentality comes in is like, you have to face those things. You have to face your fears. It's never going to just go away. Well, it's like, yeah. man, what if people started thinking to themselves and they're, they're in this pain in the struggle and they're listening to this. So if you're listening to this, I really want you to hear me. And you're thinking to yourself, you know what? I, I want to figure out how to use this pain as purpose too. You really got to start to see your pain as your rocket fuel for your life. There's so many people that see their pain as an anchor because they just continue to feel like things happen to them. Or I used to watch a show and they used to be like, um, the last name was Brown for this family and something bad would happen. Well, you know, our Brown look, you know, um, it was, I think Alaskan Bush people or something (laughs) like that. I like my discovery history channel. So, and it's like, oh, the Brown look, the, this, and so all you do is perpetuate negativity. And all you do is bring negative, like you, you will literally attract the negativity. So if you're complaining and, and you're woe is me and you're sitting and you're wallowing in the pain of what you've been through, then you're always going to be in that space. Yeah. What I realized on my own journey is like, as I thought about my abusers at times in my life, even as an adult, where I wasn't being abused anymore, nothing was happening to me, mm-hmm. but I would re-victimize myself over and over and over again. See, I'm not a victim, but I was victimized. Now I got the choice how I use it. Do I, is it the anchor that's going to drown me where I can live with a fraction of my potential and I just never find true happiness in life? There's so many people suffering in quiet desperation. They don't even know why they can't find happiness. Or do I turn around, figure out how to shift my mentality around it, do some healing, find some forgiveness, some acceptance, some acknowledgement of the emotions, like, and then really use those emotions and my lessons learned to catapult where I'm headed, man, when you can make that, like, as I made that mental journey and that transition in my life, and I really even mental breakdowns in corporate America, anything that's happened. And I use that as power, the way that I show up is different. And that what I'm attracting into my life is different because I just emote this positivity. Stephanie emotes positivity and safety 
and even like you were talking about before the podcast in her voice. So what yes. she attracts yeah. is people looking for that. What she attracts is people that, you know, they're like, okay, Walt's already been on my podcast by himself, <laughs> Steph, you guys did it together. Well, I want you to come back on by yourself now. And she never would have thought she was going to be, she was going to do that. She never thought that she was powerful. I did, but now right. she's embracing this next part of her journey and finding, I guess, like a different level of empowerment from mm. all the experiences that she has that she can now use as purpose to help other people. Man, it's just, I, I hope if you're listening, you can hear my voice and you can garner the belief that you can do this. Yeah, I want everybody to know that. It's like he said, we, we're always focusing on how things happen to us. Well, guess what? It's this in this life we have, we all have pain. We all have struggle. Nobody's getting through this life without it. It's yeah. happening to all that's going to happen to all of us, but it happens for a reason because we are supposed to learn something from it. That's where all the, if you think about it, all the, it's the hard times in your life. It's the struggles that teach you something. It's what, it's the thing that makes us recognize, you know, good from bad. You know, we can't appreciate the good or the beauty without the pain and the struggle. We have to go through that to have any sort of appreciation yep. or gratitude. I mean, it's how we learn. It's how we grow. And you know, this is called the addicted to growth podcast. That's what it's all about. You're not getting through without that. Like we can't appreciate, we don't learn or grow in any way without bad things happening to us. Cause that's where we do all of that. If everything was just good all the time, Oh, what right. what good would that you be? Like that Stepford Wives movie or show? No, yeah, we wouldn't know what bad was, so we wouldn't. Right. You know, it would just be boring. I mean, honestly. And then our pain really wouldn't have any purpose if we didn't share our story. That's you right. know, our story isn't ours. Our story right. is really meant to be shared. Yes. You know, so if we do go through things and don't share them, yeah. there's no purpose in that. Right. Right. It, exactly. You know, it's, I want to make one analogy here because it's funny. And I made it the other day. I just came popped in my head. So my girls are 18 and 16 now, but they were probably, I don't know, like maybe like six and three and a half at the time we went to Bush gardens in Virginia. And so my oldest daughter, she had been on some of the bigger, like middle roller coasters kind of things. She liked mm -hmm. them. Well, there was this little ride and it was probably like a foot off the, the ground. It just went in a big circle. And it was like, you were in a kite. Okay. So like maybe it went from three feet to one feet. You can move the kite, just something small. And it was slow and I'll never forget this. And it makes me laugh because I feel like this is what people think that they want, but it's not what we really want. They think they want safety. They think they want everything to be perfect. They think they want it to all be slow. They don't think that they want to be on the big roller coaster. But as my daughter went around the circle, I'm not joking. You, I can still picture it in my head. She looks so pissed, my six-year-old, that she was on this boring-ass <laughs> ride. And, she, and and I don't even know. Maybe I would do thumbs down or thumbs up. A, a good stuff. I don't know where she learned it from. She comes around and she goes, with the meat, dirtiest like this ride is thumbs lame. down. And she's right, like, this ride right. is the most boring what ride I've been on in my life. And I feel like people think that they won that. They want wow. that. But, man, the juices in the, the roller coaster, the ups and downs, because when you have perspectives of the downs, when you mm. find the growth you're supposed to have from the down moments on that roller coaster and you reach back up to that peak and you finish the ride, it's like the exhilaration that yeah. you feel from that entire journey, right? Because it's the journey of right. life. 
it's not a stopping point at each entire destination. You've got to enjoy the entire journey and embrace all of it, all of it, especially the painful moments and say, what's the lesson? How can I like take this and maximize my impact and output from it in my own life? And after you do that and you, and you find the love within yourself for it and the self-confidence and the self-doubt goes away, self-confidence increases. There's no more limiting beliefs. And you're like, right. man, I know I can do this. Like Walt told me I can do it. I'm, I'm just like that, dude. There's nothing special about him. I could do exactly what he's talking about. And you do it. Right. And you know, yeah. you were able to do it from the pain. Oh, you're like, man, I am who I am because of this stuff, not in spite of it. Right. Let's get fired up. Let's go. I am powerful. <laughs> you know? right. And I love that analogy of the rides. I, I love that. <laughs> I can still picture her face. So it's like really funny as I tell the story. She was so pissed. Just had, I wish I could have got a picture. Back that there. is such a good example. You're right. That what like we want to we think we want everything to just we want to stay comfortable. That's why mm -hmm. we stay where we're at and right. why we don't want to we don't want change. We don't want to face fear. We don't want to do any of that because we want to stay comfortable. We yeah. think that's what we want. It's like he said, we think that's what we want, but honestly, it's a lot more boring. If you actually right. face some of this stuff and you, you know, like me getting on this podcast was a big thing for me because I, I'm really an introvert and I, I wasn't comfortable at all. I wasn't comfortable at all being on camera, especially. <laughs> um, but Honestly, I have to tell you, every time that I've been fearful of something and I faced it and I and I did knock it down or I did overcome it, God, the feeling on the other side is like I know. You, just, you feel so powerful. You so do, empowering. you do. I said last week, I was like, um, I'm really good at doing things afraid. Mm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you and surprise we, yourself. <laughs> right. We need to take risks. That's yes. what it's about. We just, we don't want to do it. We don't want to take that risk. But yeah. once we do, it's like, because we think of all the, we think of all the bad stuff that can happen instead of the good things that can, happen. we don't allow ourselves to dream. We want to just think that, oh, but we think the worst possible outcome instead of what if your dream came true though, if you did it, like mm -hmm. you got to start thinking on the, but what if your dream wasn't the dream? What if your dream was 10 times more powerful than what you thought you were going to do? What if you got to the end of your life and you don't have any regrets because you had the courage to embrace the fear and go all in on whatever that thing was? That's powerful. And worst case scenario, we do our, you do your podcast. We do our podcast. Nobody listens. Okay. <laughs> like that kind of sucks. I still okay. feel good. We still had a great <laughs> right? Right? We're still having fun. But, you, you, we're you know, still so, growing. <laughs> we're, we're literally on pretty much the same episodes in your podcast and in our podcast, but we had the courage to embrace the fear and do it scared. And when you can, when you can get rid of the damn expectations you think people should or shouldn't do, when you can really be vulnerable in a way where you don't really fear the judgment, you don't fear the ridicule. You don't, there was somebody who gave me my first one-star review on my book. Like I got 114 reviews on it. The reviews were super good. I think I was like 4.9 stars and it knocked me down to 4.7. And she was like, do you need an editor? And you need this and you need that. And I was like, I did have two <laughs> editors, but okay. And just, just ran me down in it, in the review. And I said, well, I mean, first of all, congratulations for having the courage to actually write that. That was at least you put something and then <laughs> didn't awesome put one star. <laughs> and I said, and then second of all, wow, that just says a lot about you that you would 
talk about it in that way. And now I have a choice. Do I react? And does it ruin my day? And I'm like, oh my God, do I need to go see an editor again? Oh, oh my God. Like what's somebody else going to say? What if I get another one of those? What if I trigger somebody in my book? Cause I'm pretty raw and real about it in there. And I have that choice. I can react or I can say, man, but there's 113 reviews that are four. And I mean, I like a hundred five-star reviews in there. There's a hundred of those in there from beautiful people who have really touched my soul by mm. saying how my story touched them, who went back to therapy to find their happiness that they didn't even realize they were missing out on. So I have a choice. Do I sit in the fear of judgment and expectation and all these things, self-doubt and self-limiting beliefs, or do I start to think about what could happen in a very good way? And by thinking about what ifs, and not all the negative what ifs, but if I think about what ifs, and I'm like, stick my chin up, puff my chest out, stand up tall, and I'm like, what if? What if I left corporate America and wrote my book and it became a number one bestseller? What if? I'm, we're so blessed that we our podcast went top 10%. I couldn't freaking believe it after seven episodes. What if we have a top 1% podcast at some point? What if the person who's going to change the world, maybe it's not me. Maybe it's the person's whose life I touch is the one that changes the world. How am I going to deny them the opportunity to change the world and be the best version of themselves? Because I don't even have the courage to do it myself. No, I'm going to embrace this game. I'm going to embrace where we're going. We're going to do this legacy warrior. We're going to be addicted to growth. We're going to do all of these things because we don't know what God really has planned for us. All we know is God rewards action. So we're going to be action takers. That's awesome. And yes, that lady or whoever the individual <laughs> was that gave that <laughs> review. <laughs> she must have been one of the ones on a safe ride her whole life. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And heart people, heart people. Uh, amen. You know, amen. Like you said, well, she's just showing who she is in mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. but yeah there's going to be haters out there and yep. that's the thing with speaking up and standing our ground and going through that pain we can't be afraid we can't be worried about what everyone else is going to think mm -hmm. you know just sharing your story sharing your pain facing it so many people well what will they think yes you know did yeah. did you did you both have to deal with that going through um, releasing your best-selling book, you know, mm -hmm. did that come into play or, you know, once you finally stood your ground and were like, okay, I'm done with this. I'm writing this book. Were you always like, I'm not going to worry about what people think? Man, it's crazy. So he asked I, that question a lot. I get asked that a lot. And I love, I love when people ask me that. So thank you for asking that. Cause it's just, <laughs> I've, I'm like, man, my, my mentality at this point in my life is so different. And I will tell you though, I found my aunt gave me a, um, a bunch of a box with a bunch of stuff in it, right. From high school, she was moving and she found it in the back of a closet and it had like little back in the day, there wasn't cell phones. Okay. There wasn't even pagers quite yet. There was, you wrote notes, right. Between girls and boys. <laughs> I got a box you know, of them with uh -huh, the folds in them. Uh -huh, little cute folds in them. Probably whatnot, about the little, same age. <laughs> like a purple pen a pink pen and you know was you even had color pens to, to write in there so yeah. I found this letter that I had written to myself in there amongst all these notes and all these little things 
And I open it up and it's just half, half paper, not even perfectly creased. And I open it up and I start to read it. And it's almost like the beginning of my story, but I wrote this at 16. I don't, the only reason I know I wrote it is because it's in my writing. I still, mm. even reading it, I don't remember writing it. Yeah. And it came from a position of triumph. It came from a position of knowing that the things that happened in my life weren't my fault. The, the, the hurt people hurt people yeah. that I wanted to be a psychologist at that point, all these things to then at 44 years old now, right? So at 16, 16, 17, somewhere 46. there at 40. Well, when I wrote the book, baby, thanks for putting me on blast, baby. Um, <laughs> at 40, at, okay. Y'all 46, Steph told you, but at 44 is what I wrote the memoir, right? For that, for that beginning dialogue in the, in the prologue story to be very akin and rest reminiscent to what I wrote at 16 years old, what I've learned on my healing journey, because I've embraced the fear more times than I can count in my life. The outcome might not be exactly what I want. So I limit the expectations of the outcome. I'm more about taking action and embracing the fear. So I didn't care what anybody thought. I didn't care what somebody was going to think because I felt like God trusted me with the pain of the experiences that I went through so I can use it as purpose. I was more focused on the one person who needed to, I didn't need to write my book. It wasn't a vanity piece for me. I wouldn't have even wrote. I would have just would have straight started trying to speak if it wasn't right. for Stephanie. And to see the magic that that book's given people, the power it's given people, to see people step in their own warrior power. Yes. Like shame on me. If I ever allow one person's negative negativity to deter me from what my life's purpose really truly is, shame on me from denying the person <laughs> yes. who needs my voice, my words, whatever that is. Yes. So that they can live in their life's purpose. How, who am I to deny them mm. their ability to live in their life's purpose? Because I don't have the courage to live in mine. So hell no, I don't care what anybody thinks of me. I really don't. And I've kind of been this way my whole adult life. Yeah. Because who are you to think anything about? You're going to judge me when you don't even have the courage exactly. to find your own path or purpose because you keep running from your pain. I had people in my family, like mm -hmm. my mother really supported this journey. My sisters did, my aunt did, but I had other people in my family that they were worried about how they were going to look. They weren't even in the book but they were worried about how they were going to look, you know, or, or they were worried about the emotions. I had one person in my family tell me, well, well, like, it's just bringing up a lot of emotions and I feel bad for your mom. And I said, well, damn, like if, if you think how you feel about reading about what happened to me is crazy, you should have lived it. Right. But all I hear exactly. is I, 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 you've never once asked me how I felt crazy. about it. It's all about you. And so, you yeah. know what? It's okay, but you got some healing to do. So if I generated some emotion inside of you and you might be a little bit pissed that I wrote it, good. Because that means you yeah. got some healing coming. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And you just got to cut those individuals out of your life. I like to say I'm allergic to those type of people. Amen. Amen. Well, I love, I just want to edify that you said that, you know, we spend so much time, like, that's the question he gets all the time. Everyone's worried about what everyone else thinks. Mm -hmm. the judgment we're fearful of the judgment and that's what we focus on instead of focusing on 
all the people that missed out on his story that could have related to him or need to hear his story to help them. Yes. If he would have focused on the people not making someone else upset because they're worried about how they're going to look or whatever, we're worried about right. that. Look at all the people that would have missed out that have this, his story has helped them transform their life. The positive side of that. That's yes. what I, that's what we were talking about earlier, how we get too focused on the negative stuff and the fears and the what is going to happen and the you know it's fear of rejection fear of the unknown fear of what people are going to think the judgment versus but what if what That's if it. everything you ever wanted from it happens what if your dream comes true because you had that you believed in yourself and you had the courage to take a step forward instead of worrying about all the other people that you know they're controlling your life right versus the people that need you, they need your story. Everyone, and we've talked about this earlier, everyone yeah. has a story. We all have something to share. Yeah. We all have a unique journey. We've all gone through unique struggles. Yes. And we could be helping other people out there that need us. I mean, Absolutely. And the majority of the time, fear is alive. Yes. Mm -hmm. Every time. Fear is alive. Yeah. Fear Every is time. alive. <laughs> now, I want to ask about your two beautiful daughters who are now 18 and 16. Being a couple of, you know, communication and now having your podcast, being so open, do you find, um, you know, you have a household, your girls are more open? with their feelings? Um, has there ever been, you know, maybe their peers noticing, wow, your household's pretty different. Like y'all speak about your, you share your feelings, <laughs> you know, they kind of maybe have observed that or have they shared with you like, you know, wow, I I'm noticing how healthy you know, our relationships are within your family unit and are they starting to notice not everyone really has that in their household, in their environment? Well, this has been really interesting, actually, since Walt released his book, um, okay. quite a few of our girls' friends came to the book mm -hmm. launch or wanted other, to other read high his school book, kids. bought his book, okay. read his book. Some of them gave it to a teacher. They wanted it to be recognized at school because they felt like his story could help a lot of them. Oh, wow. And there is a lot of them that it helps. And I mean, there's even a girl, a friend of ours, her daughter is doing a book report on his book mm -hmm. because she loves ah. it so much. And I think she wants it to be heard at school because she relates in some way. Or How she knows beautiful is do. It's amazing. Well, you know what's really cool? So we went all out on the book launch. Right? Mm. Um, we weren't trying to do it cheap. It's my memoir. Like, let's go all out. We went at a super dope venue. All of it was yeah. neat. The what Stephanie did behind the scenes, and Steph can't trick me very often. I'm not that <laughs> trickable, but she got me good. She um she went to, I don't even know, it was like 30 minutes long. So many of our friends did a two or three minute snippet about what a video about what I meant to them and played it. And then also, so that was real emotional and it was super cool. Like I'm getting choked up thinking about it. 
but what was really neat. So we had a stage up there and stuff. And um, I knew I was going to read a little bit of my memoir and whatnot, but St I knew Stephanie was going to get up there and talk and introduce me. And so outside of her comfort zone in that moment, expect like she's doing the podcast for a while and stuff now so she's getting a lot more comfortable but she was like oh my gosh what if I freeze up no notes no nothing she did incredible right what I didn't that. know is my daughters were going to get up there and say some things that was a surprise yeah oh wow it was a surprise and, and I get of... like I'm getting choked up thinking about it it was so beautiful what they said and it was really cool to see them as young women because we make I made yeah. plenty of mistakes as a damn parent plenty like I am far from perfect. We I've been, all do. I've been a brush it off. McKinley's don't cry. Like it, it's been this evolution of myself. Like we're growing as human beings as we're parents, right. but they get up there and both of them just so poised, so eloquent, the things that they had to say about me as their father, by the way, these are teenagers who don't think daddy's cool anymore. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> right. Um, so many beautiful things to say about their father. Oh, um, and our family that it was, you know how you just know, and, and, and I'm so worried about changing the legacy and getting as far away from where I started to elevate the legacy, to allow my children to stand on my shoulders and elevate our yeah. family into the future, to be the, the man that's the benchmark for them as they get into relationships, to be that example of the minimum of their expectation when they get into relationships. And you just try and you're scratching and you're clawing and you're working and you're making mistakes and you're doing things right. But in that moment, for me, it really let me know, wow, yeah. like we did create the legacy that Stephanie and 26 years ago, we've been married 23, but together 26, 26 years ago that we talked about in our relationship is we got more serious and we wanted a family. And what does that family look like? And her, the blessings of her staying at home, sacrificing her career to be a supporter of mine and to handle family and to do the things and us partner together in life, partner together and work through the hard times and fight through the mud and, and the times when both of us weren't lovable to each other to still fight for the legacy we were creating. So to see them stand there in that moment. Well, what was really and, cool too was in the beginning of the book, you know, you do your dedication or whatever mm -hmm. to the people that mean something to you. So he had a dedication to both the girls in there. And when they read that part, you could just see it hit them like, wow. And they both read the book too. And, and that's why, and then from that point, when they read that in the book, they came to me and said, I want to speak at the book launch. They knew I, cause I told them I would, I was going to, and then they both that's told right. me, I want to say something. They asked to speak. Because the, I think they wanted to be able to say back to him, what it like that meant so much meant, to them what he wrote yeah. and reading their and reading his story that then what they wrote was so beautiful our one daughter was like crying through almost her entire speech but she still she still read it she yeah. stayed up there and she kept reading even though she was like there was like crowd tears falling. that's yeah. that warrior family yeah, she still did tears. it and, and, and the <laughs> coolest thing is the young woman who's doing the um because she read the book she actually is my buddy's daughter and she took the book they didn't even realize she did she took yeah. the book from them and read it. She was so inspired by my 18-year-old, the poise my 18-year-old had up there speaking, that she wanted to really read the book for that reason. She wanted to do a book report for that reason. Uh, and just so, wow, like what a ripple yeah. effect, right? She was impacted by seeing the older daughter because they're 
she's the older sister and it's the same as ours. There's two girls and she was the older daughter of the two girls. And she saw our older daughter and wanted to model her. After you got me people don't get me to cry very often you got me you got me choked up there go ahead what is this stephanie number five since you met him <laughs> well more in the last couple of years since yeah. i've embraced yeah. my vulnerability more but yeah good good but yeah that is just beautiful the legacy that y'all have started and that's going to continue to why have one more one more little story on that question, same question though yes because you said how did it impact our daughters and like do we see it so there something did happen to our older daughter I won't speak on that because it's her story but yeah. she had something happen to her and but because she saw how her father handled what happened to him it did teach her that she can speak her truth and that she's going to help other people in the process so that's what she's starting to do mm-hmm. also and so it's so awesome to see that, like, that's really beautiful to see that I'll she did learn yeah. that from him. And that's, and that is the legacy mm-hmm. that is going to be passed on is that we don't keep these secrets. We don't hide mm-hmm. things that we're not going to let the shame win. We're not going to let them control us. Like you mm-hmm. speak your truth. You take the power of it. And be empowered by it. Be empowered by your story. And she's had thousands of people comment and respond to this Instagram post that she put, which was super cool. And she yeah. had a lot of other young people, teenagers telling her, like, thank you for sharing that. Like it's mm-hmm. helped me. And it's yeah. Me. Like we're gonna have her so, on our podcast and do an oh, episode wow. with her about it. I can't so wait. I can't wait. That'll be a little bit down the road. (laughs) Yes, it's absolutely beautiful what y'all are doing. And I mean, just these short three years, can you just really imagine what is in store? What God's got brewing? (laughs) Yes, I can. Yes, I can. So I'm running full steam ahead. (laughs) Full steam ahead. Um, Okay. I want to ask you both, because I really think that you are a power couple. Y'all just, (laughs) I would, you know, for our listeners out there that are in a relationship or thinking about getting in a relationship, I'd like to hear each of you, your answers on what should an individual look for in their life partner? Let me go first. All right. (laughs) Uh, I think first, every person out there, you got to fall in love with yourself. You're never going to really love somebody the way that they deserve to if you don't love yourself. So I would say, number one, you got to focus on doing the inner work first. You got to focus on turning that pain into power, right? You're turning that trauma into triumph. You have to focus on doing the healing work so that when you're in a relationship, it can truly be healthy. Yeah. I think that you can love somebody through moments when they're doing a lot of healing. And I think there's, it's really powerful. I think one of the things we can all do better is stop with the expectations that we have for somebody else. Right. And there's been times when Stephanie's doing a lot for our family. 
And I'll focus on the one thing she's not doing. Because I'm focusing on the one thing she's not doing, I'm not really loving her in the way that she needs. Because she's not loving me, or I'm not loving her in the way that she needs, maybe she doesn't respect me in the way that I need. And we get in this crazy cycle. And I think that people feel like it's unicorns and rainbows all the time. It's not real. Your relationship is not real if it's lasted more than two years and y'all ain't gotten a little bit of an argument. True. What I will tell every person is you got to be vulnerable in your relationship. Strip away the expectations. Have gratitude for how that person's showing up for you. Abuse, narcissism, there's red flags. You need to get the hell out of there for you can't save somebody who hasn't even been willing to try to save themselves. But if you're just in a relationship and there's some struggles in communication, be vulnerable. Like, like men, women need us to be vulnerable to truly connect. Ladies, men need you to create the safe space without judgment when we are vulnerable. And if you can really be vulnerable in your relationship and vulnerability looks like, hey, there's some things. I had some hopes and dreams for how you might've been in the last couple of weeks. And I feel like you're not getting there. I don't expect you to get there, but I'm starting to get frustrated about whatever it is. Okay. And for that person to take that in and because they love the other person for their, a compromise to be reached, not my way or the highway, but a compromise that needs to be reached. And when you can have dialogue like that, And you can get in front of the drips of resentment that build and turn into a fire hose that drown your relationship, that lead to divorce every time. And you can choose, hey, I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to limit my expectations. I'm going to really show up as the best version of me because I got to love myself and do the self-care for me too. When you can do those things, your relationship can truly take off into the stratosphere. Stephanie and I spend more time since I left corporate America. We spend more time together now than we have in our entire lives. Mm. And most people are like, oh. Yeah, and everybody's like, you must need a break from each other. We love it. No, that's great. We take walks. You know, Mm. we love on one another. We're growing together. She's what reads reads or listens something, tells me about it. I do the same thing. Like we're doing our podcast together. We're on here with you today together. This life is such a beautiful journey, but it's because we both embrace the individual growth. Yeah. We both in, embrace the, the collective growth in our relationship, and we've chose to fight for each other through the hard times when most people would give up. Mm. So I know I said a lot there, Steph, but that's yeah. awesome. You know, that's I mean, awesome. We could, we could talk forever about relationship stuff, but I, something I'm noticing, cause you asked like what I would look for in someone. Mm-hmm. I don't think I can tell you, I don't think you should look for certain traits and people like I don't like how Mm -hmm. today everybody's on dating sites and it's like so you put in all the things that you want in your ideal person and they're they're trying to match up all these traits well I don't think it really works that way I think you just have a chemistry with someone I think when you meet someone and you just have a chemistry like you can tell whether you're going to get along or not you know it takes meeting that person to know that like I I can't find that on a sheet of paper or these credentials on a computer screen like Sure, if there's going to be a physical attraction, but ultimately it takes time to get to know someone and that stuff doesn't always show for a while. So my advice for most people is take time to get to know the person because a lot of things don't come out right away. And 
right. takes time to really learn those things about them and if you're really going to be compatible. And I don't think, I also don't think you should, um, I tend to think a lot of times opposites attract. I know for me, when I met Walt, it's because I was attra partly attracted to him because I saw traits that I was lacking. It wasn't and my handsome so good looks. I was attracted to. <laughs> it was that too, right? <laughs> beyond the physical, beyond the physical. Though so I immediately was drawn to the confidence and the humor mm. and those things because I knew I was lacking in those. Like I didn't have a lot of confidence, like right. not like that, not in a approaching people and things like that. I wasn't sure. strong in that kind of confidence. And I loved that he was, he was funny because I want to be around someone who's funny. I was attracted to the things like I wanted to be around because mm. I wanted to be around someone that had good energy and likes to have fun. And, and there are different things we related on. Like we both shared a love of sports so we could connect on that and we can go watch that or we can go play sports together. Right. So things like that, I think it's more important to have. And I always say there's a balance. Like you kind of have to have enough in common that you can do things together. And it's also good to have your own hobbies and your own interests, but you also need to have things you can do with them that you enjoy together and don't stop having fun together. And that, like, like I said, like, look for the traits that you feel like, because I really think that's the point of marriage and the point of two people becoming one is that you do, you will rub off on each other. You do end up balancing each other. And I think that's the point we're supposed to get, mm -hmm. you know, like he has helped me grow and I hope I have helped him grow in the things that we were lacking. We needed right. more balance. So that's what I think is so beautiful about marriage that people have lost is that, that we should be balancing each other. We're supposed to learn something from them and grow from being in this relationship. And we lose that because we just start, when things start going downhill, we just start wanting to blame. And right. Or run and just yeah. right. end it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think, I don't know, that's the best way I can say, like, if you're looking to be in a relationship and you haven't found that person yet, just be open, be open mm -hmm. to whatever's out there because you never know who Mr. or Mrs. Wright is going to be. Exactly. I think they find you at some point because you're just open to it and you never know what could happen. Yeah. I actually when think you're most least likely looking is when, when it's found. Yeah, I actually think most of the time it's someone who's very different from you is actually going to be the best balance for you. So yeah. keep That's, that in mind. <laughs> yeah, that is great advice. That's great advice. And, you know, we all, like you said, that is the point of marriage to be there throughout all of it, you know, and, and when we get married, we picture and we even say to our spouse, oh, you know, I want to grow old with you. And, well, you just don't get from point A <laughs> to point B. Right. All no. in between is yeah. what, you know, what really counts, what makes that's why it. You, that's why you take vows. That's why you say you're going to be there through better or worse, because the worse is going to come. Believe me. Yes. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know, we all think, think it's all, were... yeah, it's all better, but there are going to be challenges to your relationship. And the point is that you're supposed to help each other through it. But when you can grow through those challenges together, man, what a yeah. wonderful life. But, and by the way, 
a lot of the challenges come when your children are small. I see so many families break up when kids are little. Mm -hmm. Kids will suck the life out of your relationship. Yeah. Like they just do. Let's be real. It doesn't mean they're not beautiful and amazing and magnificent. I mean, they, my kids completed the puzzle piece to my humanity, but it doesn't mean that she wasn't tired, that we weren't holding hands because we're holding their hands. Like you've got to be intentional in your relationship to make it work. And you've got to be in gratitude for how your partner shows up, not allowing the resentment to make you compare it to somebody else, Mm -hmm. which then will steal your joy and put you in a position that is a quick, slippery slope to being divorced. And the other hard part is I see a lot of people get married and they have totally different parenting styles based on how they were raised. And so a lot of things come up when you have children that didn't show up before the children. So yeah. there's even still like a lot of things you can never prepare for. Mm-hmm. So it is a kind of important to talk about your life goals and values ahead of time. Like, right. you know, some things are, you know, what do you call it? Um, they're deal like, breakers. yeah, <laughs> deal breakers. That's where, <laughs> like, if you don't want children and you get with someone who does, like, that's never going to work. So you mm-hmm. kind of have to talk about those things right up front. I mean, because you don't want to waste your time getting into a relationship and finding out down the road when, you know, you are in love that, oh, they don't want the same thing as me. You have to talk right. about that. Or settling. And that's what a lot of individuals yeah. do. Then, a lot of people yeah. just settle. Oh, I'm already married. I'm stuck. We didn't communicate. I'm just going to settle for the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Or, the, or they don't do the work on themselves and it's mm-hmm. always somebody else's fault. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) Okay. Well, I have two fun questions. I like to call them that I have been closing out um, on each episode. So I want both of you to answer this. Y'all ready? (laughs) Okay. What is something on your bucket list and why? Stephanie first. Hmm. <laughs> Something on my bucket list is for us to make it to the Today Show with us podcast or with whatever comes from this podcast, whatever we end up doing. Yes. If we end up yes. coaching people in relationships or something like that, that's a bucket list for me. Mm. I want to be I want to be interviewed on the Today Show. Come on Today Show. <laughs> and I love Hoda Copy. She's from New Yeah, York. me too. She's fantastic. <laughs> oh, she is. Oh. Yeah, she is. She used to be a newscaster in New Orleans. Yeah. Love her. Love that. Okay. Well. Okay. So I've got all these professional stuff. I want to get my memoir turned into a movie. There's all these th- big New York Times bestseller list, all these things. But I want to just take a personal. You know what one of my dreams is to do? <laughs> INRV, tow our Jeep behind it, because I love off-roading. And go travel the country with my wife. We can do our podcast from our RV. We can go to speaking engagements in it and really just experience life in a way that's very unique that most people don't get the opportunity to because there's so many beautiful places around the world. I've been to a lot of places in 20 years in the Navy, but also just in our country. And just to be able to travel around and just enjoy each other in a way that maybe we wouldn't have been given the opportunity to if I was still in corporate America the way that I was. Wow. Uh, yeah. Is is a is a bucket list thing for me. I, I just have RV. We got a, a cool looking orange Jeep towed right behind it. Get to Utah, yes. go off-road and all the trails and Zion and just be able to just 
what a cool experience. That's living extraordinary. That's something I want to do. Absolutely. I could see it. I could see y'all hosting a <laughs> podcast, you know, from anywhere. Like, let's yes. say, you know, in the middle of Central Park, let's yeah. say. Right. How cool that be? You know, it's called, I'll tell the 30 second story on this. So October, I got to go speak in New York to first responders and child welfare advocates, um, okay. lawyer judges, like anybody that's in the child welfare uh, sphere. And it was really cool. And I, I had a speaking engagement in Canada in Canada the next day to some hospital staff and the community there. And so it was like a three or four hour drive from, um, or sorry, Canada to New York is the way that it went. And I'm, I'm driving and it's these beautiful little quaint towns in the back country of New York, which I never would have recognized Stop. before because I was always in such a rush all the time as I've slowed down a little bit. And I just thought, man, like I wish Stephanie was here to just drive down these back country roads because it's so cool. The, the fall leaves. <laughs> so when I think about the RV thing, those are the moments that I think yes. about. It's the little moments that create an extraordinary life. It's not always the big grandiose ones that do. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. Okay, y'all got to do this. I'm going to be <laughs> Y'all got to do this. All right, last question. If you could ask one question to anyone in the world, dead or alive, who would it be and what would you ask? Well, man, that's a good question. <laughs> or if Stephanie, you want to go first? I I would say for me, I would ask God if I'm truly living in his purpose on my life. I think that I am. I'm trying to surrender to that, not make it about what I want, but make it about the impact that he wants. Mm -hmm. And so I think for me, like if I only had one question and that was it, I can't ask another one. Yeah. That's the one that I really want to know as I continue to walk down the path that I'm on. No pressure, that's baby. pretty good that was really good actually <laughs> mm, that's a tough one they could be alive too i know i want to say oprah because she's always been a really big idol to me i feel like she's like the queen of vulnerability she kind of taught everyone the power and vulnerability and that sharing your story how it impacts other people right so what would you ask her I don't know what I would ask her. Gosh, that would, I, I love that you asked that question, but I'm like, man, I don't know. Yeah. It's like so many things mm -hmm. just yeah. to sit and talk with her about and then this and then that. Right. I dream big and Oprah is actually on my list of people that are going to be on my podcast. Oh, let's go. Let's go. Yeah. I love that. That's big goal right there. <laughs> I love that. She don't have anything like that anymore, but I'm still want to go talk to Oprah. Anyway. She has a podcast. Well, she does. I follow. I live in her. Right. Yeah, she has a couple of them actually. She has more than one. Yeah, I listen to the um, Super Soul Sunday. All the yeah. different things she has. Yeah, that's what. I, that's the one I like. The Super Ooh, Soul one. I was thinking more like that was just a TV show, not a podcast. Such, for some reason, she always has such deep questions. They yeah. say she's the best interviewer. That's um, great. I'm gonna yeah. interview her. I think I would ask I her like that. what Let's advice go. she would give me as someone that is. Um. You know, as another female trying to impact others with my story, 
mm. or our story, um, what kind of advice she would give me. Yeah, because she kept going when they kept telling her, you're not going to make it. Uh, yeah. Cut it from the news. Cut it. Yeah. I mean, she just. Well, and she was doing just, stuff before it got trendy. She was doing stuff when she really could have been canceled from her show um, around trauma and healing, um, amongst other things. But like those types of shows that she had back in the, you know, late eighties and nineties weren't on anybody else's show. So for her to have the courage to stand up and just do what's right, remove the stigma and give a voice to the voiceless is super powerful. Absolutely. I feel like she's like that ultimate has been that ultimate voice for the voiceless. Champion. That's kind of, yeah. Yeah. She's the warrior. And through it all, she shared her raw emotions. Yes. You know, we so saw her rude. cry and we were like, oh, like, what yes. is this? Yes. <laughs> and yeah. she got so many other people to open up about their things and like, man, it just is. The ripple effect of how much less darkness is there, how much more light is there because mm-hmm. she stood up and she was vulnerable and then empowered other people to do the same. If we can even do some of that, we'll exactly. have lived a pretty damn extraordinary mm-hmm. life. I just really admire her for that and so yeah like one of my life heroes like you're just amazing like <laughs> yeah. how do we be more like you <laughs> exactly so Oprah, you need to get on the addicted to growth podcast <laughs> so you can be interviewed and then you need to have us on your we'll, we'll go on soul sunday let's go <laughs> let's go let's go you gotta have fun in life you know dream big yeah. that's right yeah. why not <laughs> what's your sign say behind you become your dreams amen to that become oh. your dreams yes mm-hmm. and you are thanks for noticing <laughs> well walt and stephanie i want to thank you both so much for being here with us on the addicted to growth podcast i will put um all your social handles book availability everything down in the show notes but real quick, I want to give you guys a minute. If you want to share with our listeners, where can they find y'all? So the easiest place to find us right now is at Legacy Warrior Podcast. You can go on YouTube. You can go on Instagram and find us. It's on every major podcasting network, just Legacy Warrior Podcast. You'll see the two of us. You'll see some yellow and some blue on the picture. And um, But otherwise, you can also find me at waltmckinley.com. Um, which is the website that we built prior to Stephanie and I kind of stepping into this journey, this next level journey together. So either one's okay. Um, but yeah, find us, tell us what you think, tell us what you want to hear us talk about. Um, and we love hearing how we impact people. So if we impact you today, uh, we'd love to hear about it. Great. And where can listeners find your number one selling book? So Monsters in My House, A True Story. It's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, you know, it's just super easy to go get, I, I did an audible version read by myself, which was super cool. Um, it's got the Kindle version and you have the paperback version, which actually feels really amazing. Uh, the paper I picked for it was super cool. Um, so yeah, go to, um, Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Or Walt McKinley. Yep. Um, just monsters in my house, a true story. That's awesome. That's great. All right. Well, thank you both again for being here. And thank you you for having us on. You're welcome. Anytime, anytime. (laughs) And Addicted to Growth podcast. Thanks for listening. And until next time, keep growing. Bye, everybody.